Hey, my name is Kevin McLemore, and my co-host is my lovely son, 24-year-old Sensation. He is the person that keeps me anchored on Kevin Witt's son, um, Theo McLemore. And today we have a distinguished guest. He's been in the record industry for almost, I, I would say, 20 years. He has worked with some of the names like a young Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, Ludacris. Um, I am honored and privileged not only to have him as a friend, but to welcome Vice President of Contra World Recording, Mr. Aaron Eubanks. Welcome to Talking With Kevin and Son. How you doing, brother? I am doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm looking forward to, to this. We've had you know several offline conversations, obviously. So um, you know, let's uh I'm I'm ready to to have an online discussion about several things. So yeah, pleasure to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, and to our to our listeners, I, I hope you understand when we talk about the music, we're gonna talk about hip hop. We're also gonna talk about the um position each level uh, or each generation of artists have created and taken a position of echoing what was going on in our communities, our lives, our relationship, you know, our political stance, and also uh, our social responsibilities. So when I talk about the place in history and creating a revolution, I need to find out um, directly, you know, where, where history be began. Because I, I know years and years ago, um, you know, the, the music came, came out with, um, you know, I think was Run DMC, but I think Curtis Blow was the first person to get signed by a major uh, record company. And I, I, I know looking back at your history, Aaron, how did you get involved in the music industry? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, so my, my involvement in the music industry actually starts as, as an artist. Um, my aspirations for being a, a, a artist, a writer, as well as a producer. When I was, uh, God, I guess uh, about 16, 17 years old around that time, I was, um, I started to, to become more curious about uh, pursuing an actual career as, as an artist. So I went out and um, I did what young kids do at that time. And I just, you know, uh, tried my luck at several things, which was, um, you know, I tried to work with different kids around the neighborhood who um, were, were, you know, a little bit further along than I was as far as their, their skill as, as an artist. And um, eventually, though, that led me to just making uh, friends with some very talented people at that time and and um learning what it was to to just make music as a young kid um i was uh i was a hip-hop artist you know and um i did mainly uh, it was it was i guess you would describe it at the time it was at the time music was somewhat conscious so uh groups like um tribe called quest were my one of my bigger influences you know um so I made made music that that really represented uh, an aspirational side, but also a consciousness within society during that time. That was sort of like my intro to the whole just to hip hop, to rap, and I, you know, I loved it. And and I, and I heard you got signed with a single song deal by the Edmund Recording Group. I think that's Babyface's um, um, company, and yeah. everyone knows who Babyface is. You know. 
Mr. Yeah. That that came about, you know, it was interesting because um I was signed to so that was a little bit further along, but that that came about via photo shoot. I did a photo shoot with a, a photographer who who's still a very good uh, uh, associate and friend of mine today. Her name is Suzanne Bolkin. You know, shout out to Suzanne if she if she sees this, if she's right. listening. Um, but off of a photo shoot, you know, they saw me and my music was being shopped around the industry. I didn't have a manager. I didn't have like a, a, a lawyer. I had this woman who believed in me, which is something that we'll get into. And um, she she had a relationship with someone else from the area that was into film and music. And they were doing a they were scoring a movie that uh, the Edmonds were working on, per se. And Babyface had uh, his wife at the time was Tracy Evans and she saw my photo and she heard some of my music and she's like okay who's that you know I'm interested to you know see who that is and and that's how the whole thing started like I I couldn't believe it you know I was flown to Atlanta and um, you know had the opportunity to to meet her met Babyface very it was a brief meeting you know he probably wouldn't even remember me today but it was her company she was the one that was running it um, I guess he was responsible for setting it up, but they offered me a um, a production deal, which is basically as an artist, it allows you to work with their in-house talent, um, writing, producing, and and that was um that that's how that whole thing took place. Very cool experience. Okay. Um, what made you switch from creating your own music to managing others? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. The um the thing that drove me to that was that I did not have again what I just uh, re- mentioned before. I didn't have an uh like a manager. I didn't have um a a, a lawyer. I just, I it was really just a lot of me yeah. from the business side. And I was learning through my own mistakes. And after a while I started to meet other artists who were going through the same thing as me. Okay. And I was helping, you know, I was like playing a role for them. Like I'm an artist too, but I'm also attempting to help them out, you know, with, with, you know, questions because it, you know, it costs to get, you know, lawyers and, and, you know, not everyone had a manager, not everyone, a lot of us were just like talented and it was like, okay, like, well, what do I do if this happens? Who do I contact? How do I navigate a label? What does this mean? What does that mean? Through my own experiences, I just started to, you know, I I, I knew the answers. So I was able to just sort of lend that that knowledge to, to other uh, artists who might have been in a, a position where they were struggling or other artists that were like looking to, to get on a label, to get off a label. And I, I appreciated it. And people just were coming to me. I said, you know, um, I, I guess that's something that I'll, you know, I'll, I'll look more into because the the artist thing for me was not working as, as quickly as I wanted it to, you know, like being an artist was very, I loved it, you know, and there's still, I mean, I still come from that. I'm still cut from that cloth where I think like, like an artist does, but I started to have more enjoyment in seeing the success of others. You know, I started to okay. like, you know, once I got somebody um, 
their, their first record deal. It wasn't about me. It was like, wow, like, like, you know, I, I started to really appreciate that side and the, and the business side. And I was like, you know, I'm pretty good at this too. So that's just where things started to lead. All right. What's A&R? You say that you're listed as uh, vice president of A&R. And yeah. I know your, your name is Aaron Eubanks. So I, I know it's not yeah. your initials. <laughs> All right. Um, I wear many different hats. We can get into that. But uh, A&R is still one of them. So A&R is it stands for Artists and Repertoire. Um, it's taken on many different meanings over the years. But ultimately, you know, an A&R is a person that a lot of artists are very familiar with or they want to become very familiar with. So an A&R is the one who can be responsible for signing you. Right. A&R is like some people might look at us as talent scouts. Some of us might, you know, they might look at us as the, 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 the guy who I got to get to or the girl that I have to get to because they're the ones that have uh, a, a big role in you receiving a contract from a record company. So by nature, an A&R is the person that finds talent. Um, that was all the I was once in, you know, an, an actual AR week. That's a you know, we can get into that at some point too. But your your responsibility is to go out, you work underneath the label. Um, they want you to go and find us the next big star, right? That that's ultimately what it comes down to. So artists and repertoire is what it stands for. Um, but as an AR these days, you you can, you know. You're a lot of things, you know. You're 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 a marketing person. You're you're still a, a talent scout, if you will. Um, ARs have to have a a you know, and it's it's a it's a it can be a tough position, you know, because it's all it's like based off of you know your who you know what you've done lately, right? And it can be a revolving door. But you have to have a vision as an ANR. You got to be, and you can't be afraid to take risks and you can't be lazy. There's a lot of lazy ARs today. And, and the reason why that music sounds the way it sounds is, you know, because of that. And again, we can, you know, we can get into that too. Not to say all ARs are bad because there's some really good ones. Right. I mean, with, with any in industry, there's always those that have a stronger purpose and there are always those that just has a, a purpose, but it's not that strong. Right. Um, right. You know, you, you've been lucky um, early on in your career. We're going to get to um, the revolution of, of, of music. But, you know, your, your resume is impressive. You, when you talk about, you know, Ludacris, you talk about a young Jay-Z, you talk mm -hmm. about Little Wayne. We all see the success of after the fact, but we don't see the, the process of it. And I know for a lot of young kids that are, you know, just bought their mixing machine, got a great mic and set up a little studio in, in a small place of their house and whatever. We all think that tomorrow we're going to be that guy or that girl, um, you know, going through the process of um, connecting with some of these stars. If I was a young artist and I was to say, look, I'm going to start Googling uh, Aaron Eubanks and see if he'll listen to my, um, my, uh, is it EP now? Is that what they have? You know, EP, EP mixtape. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you receive someone that comes out of the blue um, and says, listen to my, my music. Cause I, I, I know, I think I can sing, 
my kids will probably <laughs> say different. Um, no one's going to put me on their album or put me uh, on on the stage. Back in the day, they would, but not today. But we we all believe we are more than what we are. How do you deliver um, that message when you you are trying to deliver the truth and understanding the business? And how do you know when you have that one? Okay, um, great question. I'll answer the first part. Um, how do I receive music? Or yeah. if, if I was to send you uh, uh, my my EP via your social media account, right, which is on Instagram, all right. Mm -hmm. Are you going to listen to it or is it going to be one of those things you're just going to ignore? I, I am going to listen to it. I'm probably, again, because I know I, I, I empathize with the artist because I've been one. I think I think all great, good to great executives, right? Um, the ones that I've learned from, the ones that, that have provided some sort of mentorship for me as well. Um, they know what it's like to be either an artist or producer. Um, and and when, a, when a young kid comes in and he's passionate about something, he's got his music or something like that. Um, I see myself when I was that kid, when I was, you know, like, hey, I got, can you listen to this CD? I got something that, you know, that's hot. I want you to hear it. And the last thing that I wanted to hear was, you know, either, you know, like, no, I'm not going to listen to it. Or um, I give them something and I hear nothing back. Um, so I am going to, to listen to it. The one thing I will say is because of how much music we as executives have to consume. If you have an EP, an EP typically has like five or six songs on it. Uh, my advice, there's some advice to all young artists. If that's if that's something that you're doing, if that's a way that you're shopping and presenting your music, your strongest song better be first. Um, if you don't grab like me, just me personally, um, if if I'm not compelled or I'm not, you're not grabbing my attention within the first minute, two minutes, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, I'll. I'll I'm not going to take too much of an opportunity to go from one to two to three to, you know, to listen to a whole thing because um, unfortunately, and I, I think we all would love to as, as you know, people that are in the music business and music executives, we would love to sit there and just listen to music all day, but you just can't. So when, when I do get something, I will listen to it. I'll listen to whatever you tell me. You tell me like, this is, What's your strongest song? And if you say number two is, then I'm gonna go right to number two. Number two is the best representation. Okay, I'll go to number two, I listen to it. And if if it's something that I think is great, if it's something that catches me, I'll, I'll continue listening. I like to become a fan of music. Um, your second question was, how do you know that you have the one? Right. right. Uh, boy, that that's, that's a great question. You just, I... I Music, it's a lot of feel. It's a lot of, you know, um, emotionally something just, you know, like like with me, every every act that I've ever signed, um, they were, they, they had some sort of unique value that, that I personally had never encountered before. You know, it was something that I'm like, 
that's different, you know, or they're different or their story's different, you know, the way they sound, you know. Um, in, in determining what the one is, that that can that can take a while. I think you like, I know when I come across something that I believe is special, right? And it becomes my responsibility to amplify that and make the public see what I, you know, what, what made it so special to me. Um, you know, a great executive is connected that way to the to the general public, to the masses, and you feel like, hey, you know, if I see this, the world needs to see this. But um, there's different parameters, you know. But I would say that it's it's a lot of feeling. It's a it's a lot of feeling when you know right. you got the one. Yeah. Uh, so I I guess since we're on the topic of discussing like uh, looking for somebody different. Um, the whole idea of like clean rappers nowadays do you feel like that's something that's like different in a positive manner or is that like more catering towards like smaller demographics or trying to like create your own lane when there's already lanes to follow kind of thing you know yeah yeah no hey, Karen, be before you answer that question i want to make sure that our listeners know that my son is 24 years old I, I've got three times that that on years of him. We've had this conversation and we kind of feel a certain kind of way about the responsibility of, of, of music. It doesn't represent RMK Productions feelings um, on it. It's our own individuals. So this is based more on the entertainment and father and son. So hopefully we'll still remain father and son after this. Yeah, I'm just saying, go ahead, Aaron, go ahead and do your thing. And, and, the, and the reason why, you know, when we talk about clean rap, and I'm just going to try to set this up a couple of weeks ago, we released a um, podcast interview of a young artist, um, Malik Hawkins, that in his interview, that part of the contents of the interview, he said he was a clean rapper. And when Aaron and I had a conversation about this, we wanted to know that the perception or interpretation of clean rap versus hip hop the way it is, was it saying one was good and one was bad? So um, I'm gonna go ahead and let uh, Aaron elaborate on Theo's question um, while I just make, make sure that, you know, when the smoke clears that you know, it's still all fun and games, but, you know, we're, we're looking to um, uh, educate ourselves not only, you know, to our viewers, but we're also, I'm trying to be more open and enlightened to what's going on in current state versus the era that I grew up in. So um, go ahead, Aaron, go ahead and answer Theo's question if you remember what it says before I interrupt it. Let, let's say, we, we saw, repeat it one more time, Theo. I, I have an idea of what it was, but I wanna make sure I address it properly because we went off on a few other things. So mainly I'm wondering if like, what your perspective on the, like this whole, like the clean, like clean rapper in like, uh, wave of hip-hop artists i guess mm -hmm. right because i don't know in my opinion i feel like a lot of hip-hop has never came from like a very like clean place i guess it's come from like a real emotional standpoint and i've felt a lot of the times people detriment their artistry or their creativity based on trying to get it into like i don't know like uh, on like radio shows or into like the general public's homes instead of putting out their own message and i was just wondering how you felt about the whole clean rapper movement and what that, what you think the, where that's going in the industry. Yeah. Um, 
it's I, first of all, I welcome it, right? I, I welcome the because because in a way it's it's almost like a um it's almost like these these clean rappers are challenging the not so clean rappers to sort of okay can you can you deliver your message without or can you make a great song without being so you know yeah whatever the words you want to you know use you know um you know without it being so profanity laced or so much you know so derogatory towards the opposite sex or, or things like that so so much compensating um the 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 culture you know there's so many different you know layers to this so on, on one hand it's like it's it's interesting uh, on on the other hand again as as uh when when kevin and i were having an offline conversation about it, i said you know we know there's been hundreds of not clean rappers if you will that have been successful right so you 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 don't have to be a clean rapper to be successful you don't have to um you know you, you don't have to be someone who just is like totally like no no in order to to have a a, a place and vice versa um i i, I kind of side on 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 where you come from in terms of the the artist him or him or herself because a lot of it you know when it comes when it comes to hip hop right if we're speaking of hip hop music you're you're right a lot of the artists who have been drivers of the culture who have been pioneers um they they were speaking from you know experience right yeah. they, they were they were documenting what was around them what was available to them and they weren't thinking about being you know politically correct or they weren't thinking about using proper english they weren't thinking about uh you know making sure they didn't offend anyone because you know hip-hop has always had that element to it of and that's what makes it in a way hip-hop is that it's it's sort of somewhat rebellious it's somewhat yeah. you know there's no guidelines we we don't care you know we don't care if we offend you because where where we are speaking from is a, is a place of you know it's it's sometimes it's uh despair sometimes it's it's very bleak it can be it it's not always pretty um so that so the honest truth comes out with that the music becomes very authentic the early days of Def Jam underneath the original regime of Russell Simmons, um, Rick Rubin, sorry, my something fell. Underneath Russell Simmons, Rick Rubin, guys like that, those early executives, um, they gave us an honest look at what, you know, that, that was their whole, you know, they laid a blueprint that's still here today, which is, you know, we're going to be loud we're going to be disruptive we're going to be boisterous you know that that's what we're going to be and and we're not going to um censor our artists uh we want them to be just as honest as as what this label represents it was a label that was you know that's what it was you know and um i think 
you if you take that away, if that never exists, I don't know if 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 this music is as 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 dominant as as um you know as important as it is today. I don't know if if hip hop is is what it is today. The the sad thing, right? Because then there's the the other side. The sad thing is, I think what's what started to happen and maybe and this is where kevin and i might see eye to eye is going back to the artists um i think some of the artists have gotten away from from even attempting to deliver um like 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 a, a real message within the music without there being this this over abundance or overcompensation of 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 um you know again profanity or or you know derogatory terms when it comes to the opposite sex and things like that i think it's become a lazy sort of you know um approach towards the music because the early stages of of hip-hop the golden era as they as they sometimes refer to it as you you know you had you had songs that in in albums that had the parental advisory sticker on it right you knew okay if i buy this i remember when i first <laughs> when i first got a hold of an nwa uh cassette tape at that time i you know some people don't remember but it was a cassette tape yeah i'm i'm that old right <laughs> so um but I, I remember having to listen to that and see because my mother because I knew like if my mother ever heard me listening to this like it was over now yeah. NWA for me was the first hip-hop group that I ever felt that way about like there were other albums that came out that had like a parental advisory sticker on it but it was you know it wasn't a ton of bad words in it I guess but this was like and I guess we could, this segues into something different because this was the first time I was hearing uh, very high usage of the n-word and I, I didn't know how to take that part I was like you know should like should I be like should I like this or should but it, it, I tried to read between the lines and, and look at you know take it for what it was um so that going back to what I was saying is that I, I think in today's music the thing that we we even as record executives that that we we struggle with is that you know some of these kids are extremely talented i mean they're, they're great artists you're right and i think I, I think some of them have not they, they they're not surrounded by people that are encouraging them to to really hone in on on that that craft of writing you know be a great mm -hmm. writer not a lazy one. And, and some of them are just doing what they, what they see the next person doing. Oh, he said the B word here, 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 or he said this, or she said that I'm going to do that because it's so, it's so easy. It's like, Oh, it, it, they see that that works. And sadly enough, that's where this, like the, like, you know, the dichotomy exists because it's like, though <laughs> some of these kids do incredible numbers, you know, they, they, they sell out concerts. Yeah. And they sell T-shirts, you know, they like they do very. So it's it's for the next 16, 17 or even 20 something year old that's trying to find his or her way in. 
they're like, well, what works? Oh, me, you know, doing this or being that works. So yeah. I'm going to try yeah. that. You're exactly right. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I know my, my son in the back of his head, he's thinking, you know, dad feels this way. And you know, Aaron, you and I have had this conversation, especially with music and um, uh, the N word and the way women are, are, are betrayed is that, you know, and, I, and I'm going to speak to our, our, our listeners. OK, I am 100 percent all in for freedom of, of expression. I think and I believe and I'll say this a hundred times over, uh, education is not designed to make you feel comfortable. Education is designed to make you think. When we go back and we listen to the introduction of uh, hip hop, hardcore rap, Snoop Dogg, um, you talk about Curtis Blow, you, you talk about the Wu-Tang Clan and, and others, they were expressing the lifestyle the inequalities in our communities. And they were part of the revolution and the transition from one era to the other is saying, this is what we're going through. This is how we're being treated and whatever. I'm a hundred percent all in, in for that music. And Aaron, you and I have had this conversation, Theo, you and I have had this conversation that every genre in the seventies, eighties and nineties have positioned themselves in a way that, they have taken a position in order to deliver the message. Through our culture, as people of color, music has been the way that we have communicated without directly having a sign. Music yeah. also mm -hmm. allowed uh, our message to cross over. I mean, breakdancing in the streets of New York in the Bronx, where it, it was created, transferred all, all the way over from California to Tennessee to everywhere else. And... You know, you had um, Cindy Lauper and you had groups collaborating with rap groups because of the message was, was, was strong and we had a beat, you know, but to take a, a, a word through historic, um, through our history, and just because you changed a vowel, a vowel on it, you take an a, uh, E to make an A and say it's a term of endearment. We also have to look at music as being a responsibility to educating and bringing together um, not only our young people, but people in general. And, you, you know, you and I have, have said, you know, if you can't have a stranger that looks different from you walk in and say the N-word, why is it okay for everyone else? Music is the common denominator to bringing everyone together. Music is that GPS um, to the human experience of people uh, of different cultures. And, and when we talk about you know, clean rap versus um, the opposite rap. Mm -hmm. we, we have been programmed through a system in order to divide and conquer. And I don't think we should put a name on it. We should allow the music to play. And in my feel feeling, we should allow the artists to, to take responsibility for the message they put out there and put humanity before profit. And I, and I think when, when we talk about the conversation we're, we're having right now and educating people, it's like, this genre in, in, in music, I always say, do they actually have a place in hi history or are they performing music just to get paid? And you'll probably know more about that from this industry than, than I do. Well, they, you know, they, they do have a, 
a place in history. It, I think, <laughs> but it, I think it's a very unique place. And I think the place that a lot of the artists have in history is more tethered to that of how technology played a, a, an important factor in, in today's music industry. And, and what I, and, and this can get very deep, but you know, there's more music available than ever before, right? And, and we, we kind of as consumers and customers and fans of music, we wanted that, right? We wanted like, we love music so much and we hated going to the, well, we didn't hate going to the store, but you know, we had to go to the store and we, we didn't enjoy buying our, you know, paying uh, 10 or $13 for a CD. Where now you turn on your phone and you can stream music all day, right? You can just listen to music freely. And there's a very, um, there's a space of discovery that happens when you come across new music and, and a new artist, you know, someone you never heard of and you didn't, you know, it's just there on your phone. Um, I, I, but but you, you touched on something, Kevin, I want to go back to briefly, which is, uh, I don't, I don't think that th there's a place for, for, for like clean rappers. There's a place for the not so clean rappers. Right. And, and why, why don't we just say there's a place for all music? There's a place I, for I don't, all music. I don't, I don't, I don't right. like, you know, me personally, I don't like dividing any of us. Cause right now we're in a, we're in a time and space when we need Correct. to come together. And I think, Correct no matter if we, we agree or disagree on how the message is there, music has a place. And I think each and every artist, no matter what you are trying to get out and what your position is, you have every right in order to have your song played. That's true, right? But the one thing that, that, that we operate on in 2021 and probably moving forward, right? Now we, let's we get into the, to, to the industry a little bit more, right? Things are a lot more community-based, right? There's, there's a, in fact, if, if I remember reading a book, um, man, about five years ago, maybe longer than that, one of my favorite authors, Seth Golden, has a book called uh, Tribes, right? Um, if you pick it up. And it's sort of a book that was before its time because what it talks about is how like we we're all sort of interconnected but we come from tribes right and right. it talks about you know the ability to sort of at the time you know like parachuting into these you know particular communities that spoke to you that that's the way that you know the world was sort of designed to be um and what you see in music now with there's more exclusivity than ever before. There's different platforms that offer up a level of, you know, like for example, you know, if if I just want to play or be around gamers, right? I go to Twitch. Um, if if I'm just, you know, enamored with um, you know, with with sports or whatever, you know, there's different communities out there that are just designed for that of, you know, of 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 you know fans of sports or or whatever just as within music you know like like you go to clubhouse clubhouse is a bunch of different tribes right you, right. you hang out and there's something about it cooking and, and it's you know so what we've done though we know that there's a place for everything 
But what we've had the ability to do now is sort of things have become more a la carte where it's like, well, you know, I don't want to catch the 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 not so clean rappers, as you say, I, I want to operate here. And for the first time in history, there there's the there, there's like, you know, a, a space where, you know, like if you go to Reddit, you know, I'm sure there's probably some group about, you know, um, clean music, you know, something like that, where you could just share amongst like minded individuals who see it the same way as you see it. And for for someone who makes that that style of music or for someone that's interested in that, in that that's your audience. That that ultimately is your core audience. Now, if you get people like myself who I'm, hey, as long as it's a good song, uh, you got. I mean, I'm good. You you could be clean. You could be dirty. Now, there's some things that even that I disagree with, right? And we can. I don't know if you want me to go into them because it, you know, it can be somewhat uncomfortable. But you know, seeing things from an industry standpoint, there's some things that I'm like, that that's not that's not good. I don't like that. Well, you, you oh. and I have talked about it. I, I know that I have brought up okay. the fact that I, I, I watched a, a video when there were two women, you know, 28, 30 years, years of age, you know, um, shaking that, that, that tail thing while, you know, you had brothers throwing money at them. And then when they panned to the audience, it looked like a mother and father, which I don't know to be fact. It could have been someone just brought their eight-year-old or 10-year-old son there. And, you know, they're being exposed to that. And at, I, I, I know most eight or, or nine, 10 year olds are influenced by their environment. And if that's the way that the depiction of a woman is to be played, that's the interpretation of how he's going to treat someone else's daughter in the future. I know, you know, with me growing up, I, I had a lot, a lot of rules in my household with, with Theo. And I'm pretty sure that Theo, you know, did a lot what I did when I was outside of the household, broke all those rules. You know, we just. Right. You know, I thought you were going to say the opposite. <laughs> but um, you know, and 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 that's that's my 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 thing with um, you know, the picture that we put out um, into the world, and then we 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 spend a lot of time de defending our position when that exactly wasn't our our, our message and the position mm -hmm. we were taking before. I know here at RMK Productions, we are doing a, a thing with. Uh, music and bringing back some of the old school. We're bringing back the funk from Ohio. So we're working with groups like Ohio Players, uh, Zap, um, Lakeside, uh, Ronald Nooks, um, Peanut, and some of those guys. We're doing something in Boston. I'm hoping that we we connect, you know, with you and your crew and bringing on one of your artists and, and doing it. Um, we're providing on, on RMK Productions an outlet for people that have films that will never get seen or being able to be listed, you know, for awards or can't get into some of the film festivals to be able to stream through RK Productions. We also are doing music that way. We have comedians that will never get a chance to have a stand up that we create an avenue for them to have their own show. We have people that do fixer ups and, and so forth. You know, F1, what is it? Um, when you fix up homes, what is that acronym they have? DIY. DIY. So that's, a, you know, that's an acronym in the music industry too. DIY, yeah. DIY, right, do it yourself. So that was that was my next in the music industry. Yeah, that was my my next question because when COVID hit, not only in the commercial world as far as employment, 
there are a lot of people that basically did a whole 360 that says, look at where I'm at right now. I'm either docked at someone else's dream or I'm shackled for the rest of my life to someone else's dream. And when you're docked there, it's like us, you know, we're, we're building a ship waiting to set sail, but we're doing what we have to do every day in our day-to-day jobs in, in order for us to have an opportunity. A lot of independent filmmakers are coming to RMK Productions. A lot of independent recording artists that can't get to you and listen. It's the reason why I asked the question earlier, are coming to have their, their music played. I mean, if it had not been for the internet, we would have never known about Justin Bieber. A lot, okay. yeah, a lot but of artists. How do you feel in, in the industry, and we're going to wrap this up soon, how do you feel in the industry about um, people such as myself that have created a platform uh, and opened a door to have talent exposed and to be streamed on a global um, uh, marketplace instead of knocking at your door hoping that you're going to open it, you as, as being in the industry? Are, yep. are we welcome or are we, we're someone that, you know, we, you hope that we go away? No, I love it. I love it. I, I, you, it's, it's, it's not a, you know, because again, it goes back to what, what we talked about earlier is that there, there's so many, you know, there's so many artists and so much music. And I think that uh, companies like yours, serve as it, it's a great it's a great platform and a great alternative look i'm very honest with a lot of artists like not everyone needs what what i provide right they they don't because some some artists and some um some some groups or bands or whatever they're very self-sufficient you know they're they're like a little machine all to themselves and i say listen you know in in this in this industry we you know you you once you partner up with a label or someone like me, you, you start to, you know, it becomes a business and within business, it becomes, okay, we have to make money. You have to make money. My company as a, as a, as a label, you know, we, we take a huge risk with any act that we sign because we're funding them. We're putting up money, you know, we're, we're helping to, but it's a belief system. It's like, we're doing this out of belief. Um, we don't act as a venture capitalist. We're an actual production company, meaning if you come to us with nothing, you know, it's our job to, to amplify what you're bringing to the table. Um, platforms that you offer, it's, it's more of a, a, a zone of, again, like, like a space of discovery, right? For someone who, as you mentioned, they, they, they either they can't get to someone like myself or they, they just don't need it. They just need an audience. And if you can provide them with an audience, they can do the rest. So I, I think, you know, you can go either way. It depends on where you are as an artist. So I welcome, you know, what you guys are doing. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. Anything, Theo? Well, I think that's it for me. All right. Well, Aaron, I, I am going to tell you again, it's an honor and, and, and a privilege. Um, I always, with all of my guests, and you're already very successful. And to ask this question may be a, a question I'm going to just go and throw out there that's just going to hang in the air. Yeah. But I always ask every guest that's on this show if you had one big ask, A S K, could not be denied and would have come true if you'd have tossed the ball in the air and it was a home run, 
what would your ask be? That one dream. <laughs> oh, man. These are always tough questions. My <laughs> ask was that ball would hang in the air for so long. Um, oh, man. It, 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 are we speaking music or just... it's your your ask you know god god says you ask and you should receive Mm -hmm. if you want to build your empire to to be the the place where universal talent lands and you make dreams come true then ask big if -hmm. you have a personal ask in in order to you know provide uh literacy for all young people and to make sure that you know there's no child in this country the united states to go hungry then ask that because that's part of our, our mission at RMK Productions is to bring everything back to our community. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you, let, let you search a little, little bit and, and ask big, go ahead. I, yeah, no, that's, that's, again, that is a great question. Um, what, what does come to mind immediately was I, I would, I would ask if, and I, you know, I don't even know if it's a, if it's a reasonable ask, but, I guess it is because it's based off your question, but I would ask that 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 all children, all all young adults, all children, um, they they're never without a a resource. They're never without you know something that they that they need. Um, and and I don't I don't know how to how else to ask that, but you know they're never without proper education. They're never without um, you know, a family, you know, um, that they, they just get a fair opportunity, a real, you know, shot, because there, there's some of us that are, are blessed that we start way ahead of the, the line. Um, and then there's some that, that are remarkable because they weren't, they weren't blessed with some of the things that others were blessed with, and they somehow make it not only to the finish line, but they exceed that goal. And I mean, that that's amazing. And, and there's some of us that, you know, we, we had a, a huge head start and, and um, we sometimes we don't even acknowledge that. Sometimes we don't even go back to, you know, bring others with us. So as, as a child, I believe it's, it's very important that children, um, you know, they, they're never without, you know, they, they, they're allowed to dream big. They, they believe that they can, you know, they have everything that they need in order to get them from point A to point Z. Theo? You asking me? No, I'm not asking you. Oh, I, I, like, I thought you were going to say <laughs> something. Last, last, last question. All right. Two questions. Um, one, how do people, uh, get in touch with you, your social media, how do, Someone wants to, to contact uh, Aaron Eubanks, you know, VP of um, Contra Recording, uh, mm-hmm. Worldwide Recording. Yeah, did I get that right. Yes, How do they did. contact you? Uh, so you can contact me via uh, my socials. Um, I'm not a big social media guy right now. Like I, I, I use it more so for, for, for business. I'm not concerned with like, you know, posting a lot of things and building my followers but um i'm at on instagram um i am at a game 2323 so it's the letter a game and the letters 2323 um it's an old basketball sort of thing that we ain't getting to but that's that's my handle on instagram 
Um, you can also visit our um, website. We do, you know, uh, we will start accepting some inquiries for music, for film, for, you know, management. So that's the website is www.contraworldwide.com. Um, those are the two main places that that I'm I'm active on, and, and and my team is you know always on you know the website checking things out. Those would be the easiest ways to to get in contact. Well, Mr. Eubanks, Aaron, friend, mm -hmm. um, first I want uh, to say thank you mm -hmm. um, for allowing us this time and space to uh, pick your mind. To, to, to allow you to, to take your experiences and put them on a universal and a global platform. I also want to thank God for allowing me another day to be with my son. He, he has been uh, MIA for a while because um, COVID decided to smack his oh, dad around. Right. Yeah. yeah. How you feeling, yeah. by the way, Theo? I'm feeling better. Still, still a bit congested, but I'm, I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. He, you know, great to hear. Great to hear. Yeah, he, he he brought my son back. I mean, I created this platform of talking with Kevin and son in order mm -hmm. to spend more time with my son. And, um, you know, the way the universe is, you know, it, it has a much greater power. And right. the format of, you know, letting people know that every man of color is not um, a delinquent. Every man of, of color is present in this child's life. It's the reason why my son son's here. And the reason why we created a platform of people you should know is that we're, we're not about celebrities and promoting their bank accounts. We're about telling people and getting people connected to people they should know. Also, my listeners are, are people that have called action. So in the event that someone comes on this show and they're in need, there's somewhere, someone out in the audience that will connect the knots and make sure their needs have been, been met. So to my fans, I want to say thank you. To our listeners, I want to say thank you. To our new listeners, from my son and myself, we want to say thank you. And hopefully you enjoyed this episode of Talking With Kevin and Son. son. Thank you. There, thank you. There awesome. you go. Awesome. And the people you should know, Mr. Aaron Eubanks. I want everyone to re remember, okay, <laughs> dreams are the reason why we exist. Dreams are the reason why we have hope. Dreams are the reason why we connect to people that have made dreams come true. Today, we have connected you to a person that is a dream maker, a person that's committed to his cause. My grandfather always said, when you get to a point that you can help someone else, it is your duty. And right now, RMK Productions, we are in that position in order to help other people. I want you to remember this hashtag, find 1,000 reasons to be kind to someone. Also, reach one, teach one. That's right. And we're fade to black That's and right. we're out. Thanks.